Welcome to CEO Interviews, a production of Gorecom, in which we take the time to speak with CEOs about what's going on with their companies. With us today, happy to have him for the first time, Alex Klenman. He's president and CEO of Azincourt Energy, trades in Canada under AAZ, and for our friends of yes, AZURF. For those who are new to the story, here's what you need to know, and it's the first company of its kind that we've had in quite a while, which tells you what's going on in the uranium sector. Azincourt is developing critical alternative energy, energy projects for uranium and lithium. Uh, core projects are in the clean energy space with uranium exploration projects in the Athabasca base of Saskatchewan. If you don't know what that means yet, we're going to talk about that. Why uranium and why Saskatchewan? Well, as we all now know, the world needs clean and renewable energy. It's a topic that everyone's talking about. Nuclear power is one of the safest forms of electricity generation. Uh, nuclear power capacity worldwide right now, you may not know this, is increasing with about 50 reactors under construction. We'll talk about that and what that means. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and there's also 20% reduction in concurrent mining production, which is pressing demand. So put those together, limited supply, growing demand, uranium is the bull market. The companies in Saskatchewan, uh, where uranium mining production have gone on for over 40 years, with grades that are 10 to 100 times the world average uh, and makes economic discovery feasible. They've got two great projects there. We're going to go, to go over those. Alex, welcome to the show for the first time. George, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Let's talk about uranium because uh, before we get to the specifics of Azincourt, yeah. back in 2009, 2010, uranium was looking great. Uh, nuclear reactors were going up all over the world. Fukushima happened. And right away, the fear factor came in, and it seems like uranium fell off, you know, pardon the pun, fell off the face of the earth. Yeah. What's going on in the uranium market first right now, and where is it, where is it going? Right. Well, you uh, appropriately uh, mentioned uh, 2000, you know, that little window we had in 2008 to 2009, and, and, and then again, briefly in 2011. These things, uh, I, I guess what we had were black swan events, right? Fukushima. Uh, was the main uh, was the main situation, um, and but you know we saw a spot at 120 or so in in 2007 eight, and then you know 70 and and back again in in 2011, and then these these black swans happen. It's it's like flying. Okay, nobody stops flying because there's an airline accident. They're very rare, statistically speaking. Um, you're safe. Uh, the same thing in the uranium space in the in the nuclear space. Um, you know, there are accidents, they've happened, you can count them on one hand, but they're so big, they're so uh, catastrophic that, that you know, the, out, the, the outfall from them is, is long and painful. So we saw that for 10 years, we went into a 10 year bear market. Um, but as you mentioned, uh, the supply demand dynamic uh, is, is coming to fruition here now. And, and we just don't have enough of the fuel out there to supply all of the uh, utilities that are that are going to utilize the fuel to create clean energy over the next two, three, four decades. And, and that's surprising because you got 50 reactors. And I got to tell you, I didn't know that either. Mm. 50 reactors that are under, approximately 50, you know, give or take, mm. that are under construction right now. So it seems yeah. like the reactors are back, but people forgot about, hey, we're going to need supply for all this. Right. So that's created quite an opportunistic uh, dynamic for Azincourt. Right. No, there's other situations uh, playing into that as well. Number one, uh, most of the uranium mining, particularly in the Athabasca Basin, isn't economical until you get into that 50, 
$50 spot range. So COVID and low uh, spot prices have, have curtailed production in the basin. Um, and, you know, uh, no one's going to flick a switch uh, to get things rolling again until spots at a very economic uh, level. And, and even though you can flick the switch, it's a, there's a, obviously a gap between the mining process and, and having the fuel ready to ship. Uh, and then we also have the fact that the, uh, for example, the U.S. utilities, which are one of the largest buyers on the planet of, of, of the fuel itself, have not been entering into long-term contracts. They're, they're lagging. So when those long-term contracts are for to secure the supply are entered into, we expect to see a nice spot jump. By the way, what is the price of spot right now and where is the industry comfortable having it? I mean, obviously you'd love to have it at 500, but what, yeah. where's that now? And where does the industry generally need spot price to be at? Right. We've been fluctuating in the forties for, for several weeks, a uh, couple months now. Um, you know, it, 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 the space is still extremely volatile. You see uh, some the stock, most of the uranium stocks are moving lockstep. So you see red across the sector or green across the sector. Um, and that's, that's just simply uh, the, the way things are playing out right now. But uh, as, as we look forward, uh, we're going to be, it, there's just no doubting the fact that we're going to be in a very robust market throughout 2022 in terms of the, the space and the, and the spot price. And right now, spots about 50. Where would you ballpark? Where do you think it should be for the industry? Where does it need to be? Like oil, for example, oil and gas. Oh, you, you always hear at, at the very least needs to be that 60, 70 dollar range for most yeah. people to be economic. Right. They loved it to be at 150, obviously. Right. But, you know, they'd also want to see the 20. What's that number for for uranium? You know, I would say 50 is the base minimum. Uh, and we're, we're you know, we're in that range now, but we need to be sustained there for some time. And and the way I see it, it's been a 10 year uh, bear. There's pent up energy. Uh, and when all of those U.S. utilities have to start inking the contracts, you know, the price is going to go up. It's that simple. Many of you, many of the producers are not going to sign contracts at the first person who comes knocking at the door for 50 bucks. They're going to want more than that. So we're going to see some contracts signed in this range. The majority of the contracts are likely to be signed much higher. And honestly, the utilities don't mind. It's only uh, you know, five to 10% of their overall cost is the fuel itself. So if it's 70, 80, $90, $100 spot, they're, they're buying it. It doesn't matter to them. Uh, they spend much more money on security and safety than they do on the fuel itself. So let's talk about Azincourt now, how you guys are positioned. You've got two great, you got two great projects in the Athabasca base of Saskatchewan. If you can touch a little bit on that, I already gave some uh, reasons to yeah. why it's Saskatchewan, but there are a lot of people, especially a lot of the younger small cap investors, they're just, they're just not familiar with the Athabasca Basin. So maybe just 30 seconds to a minute there on yeah. why Athabasca Basin, yeah. why is that the place to be? Yeah, yeah you touched on it. Um, it, it, it mining friendly, uh, big history of, 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 of production in the area. Um, the average grades in the basin are you know 10 to 100 times that of the rest of the world. Um, it's a hotspot. Geologically speaking, it's a very unique place where you can find a lot of uranium. That's number one. So... Uh, and there's a lot to be found. Remember, we've just gone through a very long, uh, depressed uranium market. Um, and a lot of ground has been left uh, undeveloped because there just wasn't enough funding in the, in the sector, in the space to you know, really see uh, development at a high level. So it's now coming back. A lot of the uh, uranium explorers are cashed up and you'll see a, you know, a, a big uptick in terms of development in the area. But we have 25,000 hectares in our East Preston project, 
which is uh, joined uh, on the western side by uh, Arano, which was Arriva, the big French giant, $10 billion market cap. And then uh, on the north side of our claim block is, is NextGen, so another billion dollar company. Um, we have 25,000 hectares. Uh, we're proud of the fact that we earned the majority interest in this project in the bear. We managed to fund our way and spend uh, a million, uh, 2.5 million uh, and a million cash uh, to, uh, to earn the, the majority interest. We have about 72, 73%. And you guys market. were smart enough and tactical enough to do that, like you said, during the bear. So you're yeah. able to get, you're able to earn actually a lot more right. than you would in a, in a bull market. So that right. says a no. lot about the management team. Yeah, being no, able we're, to get ahead of things. We, we played it well. The only downside was a little bit dilutive on the financing side, but but you know in the in the uranium space there there are higher share counts. Um, a lot of the Australian companies, as you know, they can't roll anything back in Australia, so you see high share counts there. Um, it's it's part and parcel with the space. If you if you've been there since uh, the early days of the bear, you know you're probably going to be a little bit more diluted than the companies that that have just entered the space because it's hot. So we've been there. Uh, our project is worth a lot more than what we've spent on it. Uh, we've drilled uh, 17 holes to date. We're going to drill 30, 35 this winter alone. We're cashed up, you know, uh, in the neighborhood of 12 to 14 million in the bank right now. So, uh, which I should mention for a pre-discovery company is quite rare. Yeah, and I, actually, I, I want to touch on that for sure, but I still want to say with East Preston for a second. Yeah. So you guys have identified priority drill targets is all the work you've done. And now... Your your drill program is for about 30, uh, 30 planned holes, six to seven thousand meters. When yep. does that start? How long will it take? And how long until you think you're going to get results back and and uh, find out if those drill targets actually were what yeah. you thought they were? No, it's really great. So we have you know uh, north of thirty kilometers of targeted ground, which is not just areas that we look at and say, hey, that looks good. These are areas that met criteria through geochemical and geophysical surveys, ground truthing, all sorts of uh, development time and effort on the ground to, to determine that these are the areas you want to drill. Um, as you mentioned, we're going to be doing 30 to 35 holes. Uh, we uh, will begin in, in the, within about a week to begin the road and camp prep. Uh, all right. We'll, dr we'll be great. drilling uh, in early January, two rigs. Uh, simultaneously, we'll be dr drilling January, February, and into March. So it's going to be quite a long and and strong program. Are you going to be releasing results in intervals? You know, you're going to do five. You're going to do a few holes, release results, re or you're going to wait for all of them to be done and then release them. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. And we may be um, in a situation where you know, if we're lucky to get. Uh, uh, a significantly mineralized hole early on, we may want to release that right away. Um, it's going to come down to what Trevor Perkins, our vice president of exploration, wants to do. Um, I defer to him on a lot of that. When we get to uh, when we get to the drill stage, it's exciting. Um, we're going to want to see what we have and and maybe a, a situation where we wait, put the news out all at once, or we do it um, as we go along. I'll tell you what, what's going to be happening this year is those labs are going to be backed up because there's so much money pouring into the space. There's so much drilling going on this winter. Uh, the labs are going to be stretched. So we'll see how it works. But uh, we're, yeah, we're, that is true. They're, they're working slower than normal. That's for yeah. sure. Just because yeah. of COVID, uh, COVID protocol. Yeah. And, and just uh, volume. What's great. Uh, now let's go into the part about balance sheet. You've got, first of all, you've got strong institutional support. Yeah. Because funds own approximately 30% of the total shares outstanding. Yeah. That's yeah. great. I don't know if too many small caps that have that. 
And then secondly, you've got a powerful balance sheet. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the balance sheet first, because uh, how far yeah. does that take it? 12, 14 million dollars. Yeah. I could take you five years down the road. Right. If you, you know, how, that's great that you have yeah. that money. How far does it take you? Sure. I mean, 40 percent of our market cap is cash, uh, which is a which is, a you know, for a pre discovery driller. Uh, is extremely rare for us to have this level of institutional support. But I think it not only validates the project, uh, East Preston in particular, uh, validates the space that institutional uh, uh, entities want to put their money in this space, but also validates uh, the sector. Um, you know, uh, these guys aren't dumb. They, they do their due diligence. They, they see that they, they recognize the opportunity in the space. Um, and we have, uh, you know, around 20 different institutional funds in, 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 that have invested into Azincourt today. How far does that money uh, take you, Alex? Like, in other words, you have great visibility for, like, for example, let's talk about this this uh, 7,000 meter approximate drill program. How much will that does that cost you guys? Yeah, we're in the 3 million range for this program. 15% of that will be picked up by our, our main partner, Sky Harbor Resources. Uh, so we're on the hook for the rest. Um, again, uh, that's just one drill program. We have enough money to do two or three programs of that size in the next 12 to 18 months. And we intend to do that. What's your intention? Uh, if, if everything goes well, and that doesn't mean perfect, but if everything goes well in the next 12 to 18 months, what's Azincourt's uh, strategy here? Do you position the company for, uh, for sale to a larger company or do you guys want to go all the way through because you see that the uranium sector is going to be climbing and, and getting stronger right. and stronger. Maybe. Yeah, no, listen, uh, in a perfect world, I know you said it doesn't have to be perfect, but I'm going to say in a perfect world, uh, we are able to uh, bring a discovery, a significant discovery uh, to a market, a healthy, robust uranium market. So the, the, the bull is here. We know it's here. How high will spot go? Um, be great to, to put uh, put good drill results out into into what we're seeing. Um, that, that would be the main goal. What we want to do is establish uh, a, a mineralization uh, in a significant way at East Preston uh, and then develop that. And that means finding out how big the footprint is. Uh, is there a resource there? Is it is it broken? Is it tied together? What are we looking at? Um, and that's really the goal. Uh, it's too early to talk about what we do when we find it, but when if all goes well and we have a large enough resource, we would likely be knocking uh, on other people's doors or having them knock on ours. Um, we're not interested in becoming a production company, uh, becoming a, a producer. Uh, that There are plenty of those and they're right in our neighborhood, Cameco and, and NextGen and companies like that. So uh, to be a small cap explorer uh, in amongst these big companies is really a perfect storm for us. You must have, you must have caught the attention of some of these majors that are around you, because raising that money, that much money, as you said, from institutions, uh, they're they're not fools. Doesn't mean it's a guarantee, but you know they're not putting up that much money on a on a throwing spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. Right. Um, did that catch the attention of your partners around you? Is it fair to say now your partner, sorry, your neighbors around you? Mm -hmm. Is it fair to say that they're going to be watching closely? Because if you have success there, you know they may they want they may want to find a way to be oh, a part okay. of that. Yeah, and you know, it's also important to realize uh, they do know about us. Uh, our neighbors are aware. Um, when we do webinars and when we do uh, certain uh, broadcasts, for example, um, we know who's watching. And they, they sign up to uh, watch the webinar, for example, and we know that they're keeping an eye on us. And why wouldn't they? 
Uh, we're big, we're well-funded, we're active, we're drilling. Uh, we have been to a certain degree um, and they're always on the lookout for in being able to increase uh, their own stockpiles. So uh, yeah, they know about us. Last question, Alex. Um, you're gonna start drilling in January. In the meantime, you've also got the Hatchet Lake Uranium Project. What keeps you guys busy in the meantime as well? Because I know you guys aren't sitting around, you know, just waiting for the drills to, to begin, even though even though you start work next week. Will you yeah. be updating shareholders maybe on progress? How do you stay, how do you how do you stay in communication with everybody? Right. Well, Hatchet Lake, as you mentioned, is our second project in the basin. We just entered into an, uh, an option agreement uh, with Valor Metals, which allows us to uh, acquire up to 75% uh, 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 stake in the project. Um, we're going to spend a million dollars in the next uh, 12 months on that project alone. It's in the northeastern section of the basin. We're in the East Preston's in the southwest. Uh, again, so it's on the fringe. Completely opposite ends of the... Right. But we want to be all on covered. the fringe got to be on the fringe. One of the things about the basin is when you're in the middle of the basin proper, you've got a lot of overburden. The, the holes are a lot deeper and, and, and thus uh, a lot more expensive. On the, uh, on the, on the uh, peripheral of the basin, the southwest or the northeast, you're looking at uh, less overburden and you know, 100 to 200 meter holes. Um, and what's nice about our Hatchet Lake situation is it's, it's right on trend with all of the production in, in the basin, right along the same important corridor that holds all of the producing mines. So we're in a we're close to produ production there, and uh, it's a great project, which is why we picked it up. And it'll, it's it's our sidecar project, if you will, our second project in the basin. So we're excited to have increased the exposure uh, to to the opportunities for our for our shareholder. So fair to say, fair to say that these next twelve months uh, are going to be the busiest that Asincourt has been in a while, and. You know, it's a great time to reconnect with your shareholders and 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 people who might have been shareholders and left the story right. and coming back. Right. This is the busiest we're ever going to be. Um, obviously, we you know listen. In 2019, we had a couple hundred thousand dollars in the bank and a two cent bid, and nobody would answer answer any calls, and and it was bleak. Uh, here we are, a year and a half later. You know, we're cashed up. We're drilling. We've got a second project, so things are going well and they're trending in the right direction. And that's, by the way, you know, I've, I've, we, we've got another client we, that we're interviewing yesterday. I won't say their name here, even though they're not in uranium, but they're in the gold space. But, you know, they're, they're achieving unbelievable things now, unbelievable things. But to get to this point, they went through dark, really yeah. deep periods where it was bleak, like you said. And the credit was to the management team that knew what they had and was willing to fight and be patient in order to you know get maximum uh, value for it a few years later uh, is that kind of the Azincourt story here too you know that yeah. it was bleak a couple of years ago and instead of saying hey let's throw up our hands and let's go do some cannabis or let's go do something right. else yeah. uh the fact that you guys held on is is, is that a credit to you guys for knowing I think what was so. coming yeah no i think so um one thing that anybody involved in the uranium space is well aware of now is the importance of patience um, we could have walked, we could have dropped the projects, moved on to other things, but I lived through the uh, 2011 uh, run in uranium uh, as a shareholder of a significant company that did really well. And I saw what happens to market caps in, in a uranium bull. Sure. Uh, and it, it was epic. Um, so I always thought, you know, this is the space to be. It certainly tested our patience. Uh, we had a lot of false starts in the sector. Um, this appears to be it. Obviously, 
and you know, uh, it, it, all things are, are coming together. Uh, so the same thing happens now. That patience that we were able to exert, uh, that got us here, I would say is a good is a good plan for investors as well. Uh, right now, the volatility in the space is is testing investor patience. Up, down, up, down. We just seem to be kind of stalling and creeping along. And and I would say to people, uh, let it ride. Wait till we get 60, 70, 80 dollar spot. The whole thing's gonna look a whole lot different. And, and you're gonna be you're gonna be happy that you stuck it out. Yeah, and you're talking about that patience was predicated on some part of that was you've seen where the uranium market can be. And Absolutely. I remember I was at PDAC. Uh I'm sorry, it was Fukushima 2011 or 10, I think it was 2011, yeah, yeah, right? Just did, yeah. I was at PDAC and the uranium companies were pardon the pun, the hottest companies. Yeah. There is unbelievable what's going on. Everything was bullish. Uh, and then Fukushima happened mm -hmm. and literally shut down the, right. the industry overnight. But you've seen what can happen. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, and 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 that's and, and that's why you knew as a court just had to stay in the game. I wasn't gonna give up on it. Uh fought like hell. Um had a lot of doors slammed in my face, uh, a lot of calls that that didn't go well. Um, but here we are, and we're happy to be drilling what we think is one of the best exploration projects in the space. So we're uh, we're excited. We're cashed up, and obviously, look, others feel the same way. Um, institutional support would validate uh, that we're we're in the right place. And third-party validation. You don't know this, Alex. This is the first interview we've done, but I say it on Gorecom over and over again. Third-party validation is what you need. Either you've got a customer you're selling a product to. You've got a partner who believes in your product and a major partner I'm talking about, mm -hmm. or you've got the street, you know, in this case, Bay Street, believe enough in, believe, believe in you enough to really invest some serious money. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, and it, that's great third party validation. Otherwise, it's hard for the investors at home to yeah. figure out, is Alex have something or not? We're not uranium experts. What do we right. know about the Athabasca Razor, really? So yeah, that's absolutely. great third party validation. It's, and it's global support. I mean, we've got funds out of Australia. We have funds out of Europe. We have funds out of the United States. And we have, a, obviously, a fund support out of, out of Canada as well. So um, it's, uh, it's nice to see and uh, surprising in a lot of ways. Uh, I did not envision this being as... Um, as uh, prolific as it's been over the last few weeks and last few months, but we're heading there and it's, it's a good indication of things to come. Well, Alex, congratulations on getting the company into a position like this. Can't wait to see what's going to happen. Obviously we're going to have you back on a lot yep. Uh, yep. in these next two, three, four months as all this action is taking place. But I think I speak on behalf of uh, your shareholders when I say, you know, congratulations and thank you for the patience, the persistence, the, the stick to of not giving up and not putting the position, the company in this position to see, you know, what's going to happen in 2022. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate it, George. And uh, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be busy the next few months. For everybody at home, you've been watching or if you listen by podcast on Spotify, Google, Apple, your favorite podcast platform to Alex Klenman. He's president CEO of Azincourt Energy trades in Canada under AAZ and for friends in the U S AZURF. For those new to the story, two ways to do your due diligence. First, get over the company's profile page on Agoracom because we've got a good thousand foot overview kind of summary uh, profile built in for you there. And then once you're armed with that, link over to the Asincourt website to do your deep dive due diligence because if you believe in the future of clean, renewable energy and the role uranium is going to play in that, 
then you've got to do your, your due diligence on the Asset Court. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. See you next time. Hey guys, the video's over, but don't forget to help your company by liking it and even leaving a comment below. And then don't forget to help yourself by subscribing to our YouTube channel so you never miss another great Agoracom small cap video.